Yeah, that's, I don't. I just because oh, I've actually cut all that out. I should be making part of saying words. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Co-Conspirators podcast episode of 2021. I'm Luke, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Callum. Hello there, and John. Happy New Year, everyone. Of course. So this podcast was brought out of the first lockdown, and as England have entered yet another lockdown, we look forward to continue to scour the world of conspiracies for you. In a reference to some of our more diehard fans, um, sadly this week I was struck by Prince Philip and have come down with the novel coronavirus. <laughs> I just hope that Kim Jong-un has listened to my conspiracy on why North Korea isn't actually bad and reaches out to give me the antidote. Was it them and Ghana going to be the main beneficiaries? <laughs> yes. I would also like to welcome our new listener countries, Slovenia, Romania, Sri Lanka, Iceland and the Philippines. However, today we will be talking about areas we will never be able to welcome as podcast listeners. No, not China as we are banned there, but of course, <laughs> the lost civilizations of the world. You never know, they might have a stable internet connection to be diehard co-conspirators yeah. podcast. Uh, yeah. I, know, I swear we've got some listeners from Amazon. Well, yeah, we could do. Got a few from Atlantis as well, I've heard. <laughs> there is, as a matter of fact, multiple civilizations that have disappeared across the globe. And as many of them have little detail about them, conspiracies thrive. Likewise, there are many lost civilizations that are never found or are fictional. So it's certainly an interesting topic. Today, we will be looking at free and trying to separate fact from fiction. John, I understand you have a lost civilization that you're going to talk to us about now. You understand correctly. So I'm going to be focusing on the Amazon. Uh, and I don't mean the parcel delivery service. I mean <laughs> the rainforest. Hey, given the size of some of their warehouses, you imagine there's a few people lost in those. <laughs> <laughs> so the Amazon rainforest is the largest rainforest in the world. And it's located within Brazil and Peru mostly. Now, due to its huge size and dense tree coverage, it has long been thought to have hidden some secrets regarding possible civilizations. For many years, it was thought that the Amazon rainforest was never more than sparsely populated, as it was impossible to sustain a large population through agriculture, given the very poor soil. Now, archaeologist Betty Meggers was a prominent proponent of this idea, as described in her book, Amazonia, Man and Culture in a Counterfeit Paradise. Is this a um, like historic kind of lost civilization? Is it modern? Because I, I know people say there's like un, untouched tribes in the Amazon still. I don't know if that's just a myth or there's any truth. I think there probably are, just given the huge scale of it, which I'll kind of come on to. But this is mainly focused on kind of ancient ones rather than any that live in there now. Yeah, I can just imagine, like, you know, there's just an untouched tribe, like no one's ever made any contact with it. You know, their lives are completely different and then fucking Andrex just knocks down a tree <laughs> with a bit of toilet paper. So yeah, Betty Meggers claimed that a population density of around 0.2 inhabitants per square kilometre is the maximum that could ever be sustained in the Amazon rainforest. And these people would have had to survive on hunting, given agriculture that would be needed to host a large population was totally out of the question because of the poor quality of soil. This estimate would lead to a population of at the very most 1 million people in the entirety of the Amazon. And that was kind of agreed amount of people that could have ever lived there at its peak for decades. However, channels and pathways recently found in the Amazon that resemble modern grids and must have been created by humans were one of the very first indications that perhaps advanced civilizations had previously lived there. Was it a block system? <laughs> the grid system like Milton Keynes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so the Amazon basin, just for a bit of context, is around 7 million square kilometres and 5.5 million of these, which is bigger than India, is completely untouched and unstudied. So as a result, any previous estimates of civilization were likely to be wide of the mark. 
because it's been based on such a small proportion of what is a, a massive area. The initial view was that humans hadn't touched or set foot in the Amazon until around a thousand years ago, as the soil and rainforest conditions would have made it almost impossible to flourish there. Since clearing and cutting it down in order to make room for commercial agricultural farms, that view has begun to change. Yes, yeah, you've been said mentioned about the poor quality of the soil. The trees don't seem to be complaining that much, and they're more concerned about getting chopped down than quality of the soil. Well, I would kind of come on to that. I was a bit, okay. I was a bit surprised at that. I thought the soil would have been quite good being on a basin, and you know that's kind of where all all civilizations arose from at first, like river There's valleys, but. Thousands of different species to be found there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I think we're still constantly finding stuff there, aren't we? Because, like John said, it's just not totally being studied. So the only option is just to chop it all down so you can get a nice look at it. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of as we've been clearing more and more of the Amazon, more and more things have started to emerge. So they actually found evidence and remnants of enormous cities in the Amazon. Spanish explorer Francisco de... Orellana, I mean, I've definitely butchered that, so apologies to any Spaniards, um, was the first European to cover the length of South America. And when he uh, visited the Amazon, he reported seeing incredible cities, thriving culture, arts and crafts. And this was all in the early 1500s. Isn't Orellana also the person who claimed to have found El Dorado? It might be. Um, I've definitely heard his name mentioned in, in an Indiana Jones film. Yeah, you, you might be right, or we could be totally wrong. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. a man I'll touch on later, um, Sir Walter Raleigh, also tried to look for El Dorado and failed. So, face a good explorer. Yeah. <laughs> Still out there for all we know. <laughs> so, 100 years later, other European explorers used Francisco's findings and returned to the Amazon to try and see them for themselves. But instead, they found absolutely no trace of any human life or civilization, much less any cities, despite retracing his steps almost perfectly. Now, the actual main explanation for this is that allegedly the Spanish brought smallpox over with them, which the natives had no immunity to. So as a result, within 50 years, these cities had as good as vanished beneath the undergrowth. This is made all the more amazing, given there are now signs that numerous cities larger than London at the time were present in the Amazon, with some archaeologists predicting the Amazon actually had a population of over 20 million, 20 times more than any previous estimates. The fact these cities were larger than London imply that perhaps technology and society was also more advanced than London at that point too. And also to be found slap bang in the middle of a forest is quite incredible. I know, and, and they describe like seeing kind of cathedrals and basically huge cities completely built up but hidden within the trees, which during the 1500s is, would be way ahead of its time. A computer modelling system also predicted that population densities were much larger than expected. And the, the team who worked on this think that around one or two million people once lived in just 7% of the Amazon basin, which again flies in the face of previous estimates that only about two million people lived in the entire Amazon. The distribution of the potential sites suggests an interconnected, advanced series of fortified villages spanning over 1,100 miles that flourished between 1200 and 1500 AD. Archaeologist at the Unity of Exeter, Jose Iriarte, said that we seriously need to reevaluate the history of the Amazon. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the idea they had massive buildings in amongst all the trees and stuff. Because when you see documentaries of the Amazon, it's just wall to wall, well, rainforest. I just don't see how any way how they can if you start the foundations, let alone have to chop down all the trees with what technology they had back then. I mean, I, I don't really know the the makeup of like a country like England, but wouldn't they have just been full of forest at one point? And you know, that's obviously been chopped down to build the cities and the urban areas, but. Yeah, that's a good point, I suppose. But you think there'll be some empty areas in England, especially where no trees really would be growing. Just like a start their city there, like plonk. 
your town hall mm, yeah planned out with a nice grid system it was implied by the spanish explorer that that there were reasonably large open areas from having cut down the trees and then they built upon that but he also said that there were cities and huge buildings that were kind of built into the trees and into the forest so almost using like, it as cover tree houses <laughs> well probably some but that wasn't really yeah. what he's getting a bit more yeah. advanced than that give him some credit <laughs> as touched on before given the poor nature of the soil it begs the question how were 20 million people fed especially given that um the previous estimate that said the amazon could probably house about a million people but that would only be surviving on things they hunted rather than things they were able to grow themselves so evidence actually now seems to suggest that they invented their own soil because they're not just eating a load of fish well, good luck fishing in the piranha infested Amazon River. <laughs> Invented fishing rods. That's what they <laughs> I use one unsuspected guy's arm as bait. Piranha's all latched on, yank him out. Yeah. I think fishing was included in the hunting part as well. Oh, fair enough. But I think they just they just wouldn't you wouldn't be it's like having twice the size of London now all just living off fish in the Thames. I'd think you struggle with that. Nah. <laughs> so the evidence seems to suggest that the Amazonians actually created their own soil called Amazonian Black Earth or Terra Preta, which is completely full of microbes that aren't found anywhere in the Amazon. Scientists today have used this soil and you can take a handful of this eight thousand year old soil and it will make completely infertile soil fertile instantly. This soil was used by the natives to grow crops and food, but how this soil was created is still not known to this day. Many conspiracists and even scientists say that this actually points to a far higher level of scientific development within the ancient Amazon than previously thought. Part of the process they think involved charring and burning and then cooling over and over again the soil. But the more mysterious aspect is the high levels of microbes in the soil that are not normally found anywhere in the region, meaning they must have been found and then added artificially. This is a fascinating thing about so many inventions, inventions, things we take for granted. I don't know, it's the process. Who decided to combine flour, water, and yeast to make bread? The first guys, I will put this all in, then we'll heat it up, and it'll make something nice and edible. I know, that's always baffling. I don't know how anyone's ever invented anything, to be honest. Yeah. But how do you invent a computer for the first time and all that kind of stuff? It's crazy. It's got to have a very advanced level thinking. Like be ahead of you, literally ahead of your time to even yeah. come up with the concept of that. It's just, I guess, a lot of trial and error. But you have to even think in the first place, right, we could make this soil usable if you start heating it and cooling it. And I don't know. I, mean, I suppose they didn't have um, computers and games and television and Netflix. And so they had quite a lot of spare time once all the hunting was done. Yeah, so got nothing better to do than what? isolate microbes. <laughs> yeah, went off to do their experiments. <laughs> <laughs> so many of the trees in the amazon this is something i wasn't aware of but many of the trees in the amazon upon scientific study were found to not actually be native to that area the amazon is in essence a man-made rainforest these trees are not real trees <laughs> <laughs> that is a very niche but <laughs> one i very much appreciate peep show if you don't know check it out <laughs> so trees such as brazil nut trees dominate the amazon the evidence in their soil suggests that these trees did not grow naturally, but instead were planted and cultivated thousands of years ago by the Amazon civilization in order to provide food. Another thing that points to past advanced civilization within the Amazon are the numerous mysterious man-made structures. Thousands have recently been discovered in the Amazon, many of them similar to Stonehenge in England, with the use of light detection and ranging, called LIDAR, 
which is a non-destructive form of remote sensing that has been used to see what's beneath the trees and the undergrowth. The monuments are mainly circles and squares, but also feature more advanced patterns such as squaring the circle, in which a square perfectly encompasses a circle. This mathematical puzzle was initially credited to the Greeks, but this evidence shows that it was already in the Amazon 3,000 years earlier. Yeah, I guess I guess that's something you just never know about, because all our history has just come from Europe, because, I mean, that's where we are, and you know if the Spanish have gone over there and created a pandemic and killed so many people, and, you know, these civilizations could have been doing exactly what we were doing, and earlier as well. Exactly. There's no real reason why they couldn't have been. And the only reason we just don't know about it is because the Amazon has been so vast and mm. we've hardly touched it. The more and more we've been cutting down, the more and more we've been finding out, which is not the best way of finding out, which is why this LIDAR, I think, is quite groundbreaking for Amazon exploration. Many of these sites are also perfectly aligned to true north, south, east and west, which suggests advanced astronomers were also living in the Amazon, as well as mathematicians, operating at a level thousands of years before the rest of the world. At another site, the team went deep into the ground and located ceramics and charcoal, suggesting a modern-looking village dated to around 1410 AD. This excavation also showed that people wouldn't necessarily have built close to rivers as initially thought, which runs counter to any modern assumptions. It revealed there are likely 1,300 geoglyphs and villages in a 155,000 square mile part of the southern Amazon, which is obviously such a small aspect when you think it's actually 7 million square miles to have found 1,300 villages and just 154,000 of that. It shows you how much of a thriving community it just might have been. I didn't realise the Amazon was that big. Obviously, I knew it was big, but 7 million square miles... I know, it's That's crazy. Ridiculous. To kind of conclude, it seems clear that the mysteries of the Amazon are only just beginning to be uncovered. But surely in time, with deeper exploration of the forest, more and more will come to light. Had these civilizations indeed been as advanced as now theorised, then it seems likely that the Amazon could have become a scientific and economic powerhouse of the world, perhaps even colonising and dominating the world today. If only the Spanish didn't bring smallpox over with them, then this may well have become a reality, and we could have been far more advanced than we are now, even advanced enough to colonise other planets by now. Ooh. So over to you guys, what do you reckon? I have a couple of questions. I guess my first question would be if, if they were so far ahead at the time, why were they not, you know, travelling to Spain and rather than the Spanish finding them? I'd assume living next to the Amazon, a natural kind of path would to be get on a boat along the Amazon and that would take you to the ocean and then go and explore from there. Maybe they're just happy with what they had, you know, it's content. True. Brewing the soil, just didn't really think, I don't need to go much further. We've got a pretty good setup here, pretty secluded, no risk of anyone finding us, just do our thing. I think especially when you're literally living in a dense rainforest bigger than places like India, they probably would have assumed even at how advanced they were, there just was no end to it and that was everything that there was to be seen. Yeah. Flat forest, yeah. Flat rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's definitely an interesting theory and, you know, because we've not really uh, studied it much, it it's brings up some interesting ideas. The idea that there's, you know, civilizations on earth you know we know the greeks we know the egyptians we know a few but you know you never really think of the amazon and if they were like thousands of years ahead there's no reason why they couldn't be so it's, it's very interesting i think i'll score it nine out of ten in terms of believability i'm struggling to believe it a bit just because you know if, if they were able to create these microbes that could fertilize the soil why could they not do an edward jenner vaccine for uh, <laughs> they were so far ahead and you know <laughs> no, eradicate it. I, I think right off my lips yeah i, I think like, the idea that that smallpox would have killed all 20 million you know they must have been very weak in the immune system but then i guess at the same time the argument is they never left the rainforest so you know it's not like the europeans where you, they've kind of gone all over like the british are mixed with the french blah 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 so you're always seeing each other and you know 
build up a bit more immune systems. So maybe it is possible that smallpox could have eradicated a large proportion of it. All the Amazons just weren't uh, socially distancing, you know, wearing their masks, keeping two yeah. meters apart. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess it will be interesting to see if anything comes out on this in the future, because I assume we're going to just carry on exploring and exploring. But, you know, by now you'd have expected like something to come from there, like someone who survived the famous Amazonian smallpox crisis to... <laughs> reached out but yeah they'd do well to be still alive now. <laughs> yeah i think it's definitely plausible there was some civilization there and i'm surprised that you said it's like almost certainly agreed upon that there was a million there i think that's quite a lot to be living in the rainforest no matter how how large it is so i just assume you know it's a few small isolated tribes but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna score it a free out of 10 yeah i suppose it's one of those ones i've never even considered the thought especially when you think back through history it's like great inventions and stuff most of them you end up just because of the way we've been taught we have been attributed to europeans so this only limits our one's imagination i guess when it comes to progressing your civilization making new inventions so maybe these amazonians were several hundred years ahead they just didn't bother venturing out beyond the confines of their rainforest because john said i think if you're just stuck there you think just trees no matter how far you walk even if you follow the the river for a long time just trees you think, ah, there's not much else out there we'll stick here and create our mega cities so it's a, it is a really interesting one it does get you thinking so i'm going to go for 8.5 out of 10 overall i really enjoyed listening to it i'd actually like to do a bit more research myself just to see if there's any more discoveries being made as we continue to try and learn more about the world do a part two if it's the demand yeah, it. yeah but i suppose the believability is the interesting point is how say was it orellana was able to find was able to find these cities well, he described them as incredible cities, thriving culture, arts and craft. And then he came back to kind of Spain and, and said, you, you won't believe what I've seen in the Amazon. And he had drawings of it and things like that. So he was really showing off what he found. Yeah. And then other European explorers about 100 years later went back and they couldn't really find any. Maybe of um, whatever his name was, the Spanish guy was just blown off course and ended up uh, docking at Wigan and he thought it was the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was blown off into the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> or the ones that tried to follow in his footsteps. They just used the wrong tree as a mark, you think? how big the rainforest is you can't yeah exactly. you put your charts are how you follow the stars and stuff you could never plot a course exactly the way that orellana went wind up in exactly the same part of rainforest that does amaze me actually to be fair like just how like they could go back to the same place like following a map across such like a vast place but fair play to them i mean i, I struggle to use my google maps on my phone to get like four minutes down the road and usually take a wrong <laughs> turn so that's why they had shipping lanes and stuff but even so the first people to plot this course to go from point a to point b and then from back from point b to point a to tell his mates right we've got a great i've got a great lane here guys yeah i'd literally just have to end up living somewhere else because i'd never find my way back <laughs> never <laughs> out of your village yeah I suppose it's not beyond the realms of possibility that there were people living there. If there's evidence of soil that was fertile, despite not being native, and trees and things that have been traced back but not originating from the Amazon, you just start to bring some questions. And if there have been explorers documenting their finds, it could be likely. I mean, we're going to go slightly higher than Luke, and also the disease argument, they were wiped out. So I imagine, yeah, they had the immune system there if you're just stuck in one place it's not going to be as strong and smallpox was from europe i think so they would not have been prepared for it i wouldn't even really have known much about medicine and fingers from fingers from wuhan actually <laughs>
Wuhan Institute of Virology. <laughs> yeah, the Wuhanians were like hundreds of years ahead of European civilization. Well, specifically in creating bat-derived coronaviruses. <laughs> but yes, I, I believe ability. I, maybe it's a bit. I'd like to believe that there's some unknown civilizations out there that were nice and advanced. So I'm going to go for a 4.5 out of 10 on the believability fronts. Cool. I think those ratings are pretty fair for mine. I mean, I really enjoyed this theory. I'd never really heard much about how advanced they supposedly would be, and that there actually seems to be more and more evidence backing that up, coming to light every day. So for the overall theory, I'm going to go for a 9 out of 10. For the believability, I'm going to go a bit higher than you guys, probably a bit biased in there. But I just think the fact that they actually are now finding evidence and of villages and evidence of monuments and things that suggest they were mathematically advanced in terms of astronomy as well, I think it kind of backs it up quite well. And I think, you know, with the Spanish explorer coming back and, and saying he'd seen all this stuff, OK, he, he could have made it up. But I think if he's he's a very well-known explorer and his reputation precedes him in that regard. So I don't think he has just completely made it all but up. I think surely if his reputation precedes him, all the more reason to make things up just to bolster that reputation even further. People aren't going to question you. Send send all your competitors off on a wild goose chase and hope they get swallowed up by the Amazon. <laughs> so all the discoveries are then left for you to find. Well, I mean, the truth, I don't know what his reputation was like at the time. I think now it's maybe better now. One of those people who got more famous after his death. But I mean, he was someone who navigated the entire length of the Amazon River, which in 1500 is pretty impressive. We're just not turned left or right, just keep going yeah. straight. Helen Scott. <laughs> well, I mean, to be able to feed yourself and, and all that is a blooming long way. I think it's I think it's quite an achievement. It wasn't in one of his massive galleons, was it? So it was a much more smaller vessel. So I'm sure that would have been a shock. I mean, I'd assume try. So. Yeah. With cannons and all sorts, just plowing through the Amazon River. <laughs> Yes, I think believability-wise, I think the evidence seems to speak for itself. I, I was quite impressed by it. So I think I'm going to go for a 7 out of 10. And I think Luke bringing it down because he thinks that they should have seen smallpox coming. Are you forgetting what the world's like now? We're advanced now and no one saw this We're more advanced then than we are now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I just don't believe... I, it wouldn't wipe out everyone. I don't think they ever had a 100% death rate. They, they must have really weak immune systems for that to be the case. To the fact that they'd eat like a bloody carrot and die or something. <laughs> well, it didn't have to wipe out everyone. If it wipes out like the, the men who were doing all the planting the trees and hunting... And then it Only specifically killed the men or the women were fine <laughs> so they could never reproduce. <laughs> yeah, like 10 million go. women alive and 10 million men dead. <laughs> <laughs> Only one Spanish explorer left to mate with. <laughs> You're better hoping a different kind of Amazonian tribe in that case. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose that brings that one to a close. And I'm now going to hand over to Luke for our next series. Okay, so the conspiracy slash lost civilization that I'm going to be looking at is Roanoke Island. So Roanoke Island is a small island off the coast of modern-day North Carolina in the United States. So in around 1584, the English, led by uh, none other than Sir Walter Raleigh, who I'm assuming you guys have heard of. Didn't he make yeah, the bikes? Yeah. yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> Raleigh bikes, yeah. Car racing, isn't he? Famous for that. Well, he was a rally driver. <laughs> and he seems to follow Trump around as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the capital hill. What a Raleigh. Um... So yeah, the English were looking to set up their first colony in the, in the new land, the new United States, and uh, they scouted the East Coast looking for a suitable spot. So obviously, uh, England had named Virginia after the Virgin Queen Neville, and they were looking to finally start colonizing it. However, at the same time, Spain was in the area, dominating the Americas, and so England wanted to be rather low-key. Roanoke Island was perfect. It's a small island hidden behind other island-like structures with a small entrance from the sea making it both hard to get to and impossible to spot should the Spanish look. So in 1585, the English finally established a colony on the island. 
around 600 men were sent to Roanoke. However, due to storms causing ship crashes and supplies to be destroyed, only 180 of the intended 600 stayed there, as there simply wasn't enough resources to support all of the original crew. The English actually also picked up two Native Americans to take back home to England uh, to try and integrate them with the culture and form a bond that would be useful in dominating the rest of the USA. Because, I mean, as you can imagine, uh, the natives were rather hostile, and so it was vital a friendship could be struck. It is literally like aliens just rocking up, you know, they look so, <laughs> look so different to you. You'd be pretty scared. I mean, looking back at that through the lens of 2020 now, 2021, I'm not sure that's going to go down very well in terms of how culture will perceive that. We're just going to abduct a couple of Native Americans and try to integrate them into the UK. I, I don't <laughs> think uh, even by 2020 standards, the British Empire's done anything wrong, Callum. But... <laughs> It was, however, agreed upon the ship's return to England, they would restock and send out more men and supplies to Roanoke to make this a proper permanent colony. Do they plan on sending any women over there, or was it just men? This is the thing that <laughs> blows my mind. The first lot was just men, and I mean, they wanted to set up a colony there, so I don't really know what they're doing. I think they just sent the men to build there, and then they uh, planned to send the women out next, but... I think that was still a couple of years down the line. Just a load of guys desperate to get away from their wives. They set up a working <laughs> remote American island. Yeah, good tactic, to be honest. But yeah, Roanoke, it's an island uh, surrounded by a number of other islands, which had tribe civilizations on them. It was also not very far from the mainland, like 40 kilometers or so. And so the English worked with the uh, Native Americans in the area to secure food and survive the winter. They also explored and scouted all areas around them, meeting uh, numerous tribes along the way because kind of every little area has its own tribe and some of them like each other, some of them hate each other. So there's all that going on as well. What's rather fitting to 2020 or 2021 is that in every city the English visited, an epidemic quickly ensued and the natives died in numbers. <laughs> I'm not sure a laugh is the right response. <laughs> I just, this is a laughing credulity, I think. <laughs> yeah, it gets a bit sillier. Uh, sadly, Chris Whitty was yet to be born and no one understood the reasons. So some natives blame the English on their supernatural powers. However, one chief of a tribe got sick and he asked the English with their Christianity to pray for his survival and he survived. So he took them on a tour to meet all the other villages in the area with their healing powers, sadly killing more settlements as they went along. At least they went out with good intentions this time. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how smart 16th century Englishman was, but, you know, if, if everyone you meet dies, you should probably stay clear. Yeah. Unless you could dare to pray the virus away, in that case, carry on. Well, I've been trying that the last nine months and it hasn't been working. As you can imagine, with multiple natives dying from the disease, uh, relationships soon soured. The English actually relied on the natives for food. And by this time, one of the natives sent to England had actually returned and he had hatred for the English way of life and told everyone they were a threat. So, you know, that, that kind of backfired. Come to England, see what we're about and go and tell them how great we are. And he's, he's returned and just said, oh, they're, they're a bunch <laughs> of wankers, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I can't imagine they made his life easy. Oh, God, no. Well, you think they'd want to if they, they were planning something, but I don't know. You can't control how the rest of the population reacts. So. No, I'm, surpri yeah, I'm surprised they, they didn't get sick as well. So it's working, but yeah. So actually, there was a group of 3,000 natives planned an attack on the colony and uh, the colony was only 108 men, but actually the 100 men won the battle. <laughs> Which... They're outnumbered 31. <laughs> Not sure how that happened, to be honest. I, I think the English had obviously got experience in building forts and had some proper weapons than what the natives had. But yeah, this was the end of any friendship and the English started to starve. 
But luckily in uh, June 1586, which is a year after Raleigh dropped them off, uh, another English hero, Sir Francis Drake, uh, was on his way to check on the colony with more supplies. And the colonists begged him to take them home, which uh, he did. And they returned with tobaccos. And what's quite famous is that that's how potatoes first came to England. They also uh, had maps of the new land so that they could better plan for the next colony because it was a bit of a failure. I mean, apparently, um, was it was it Raleigh who discovered the potatoes? Uh, yeah, yeah. He had, I think, he had a brother who was. He got there a bit earlier, but he found out that the potatoes wouldn't fit in his pipe, and the oh tobacco tasted horrible. <laughs> That's funny. So he, Raleigh potatoes, Raleigh driving, Raleigh bikes, fair play. It really did change the country for the better. What I do find rather on is what happened next. Is you know they actually you know three thousand natives tried to attack them and they survived and begged to go home. The English left fifteen men on Roanoke so they could maintain some kind of a presence there. Fifteen. They were out. Yeah, they were, however, outnumbered and attacked by the natives and died. So you've just had to fight off probably a very difficult and bloody fight against three thousand natives. They okay with just a hundred eight men. Okay, fine, that's fine. We'll just yeah, I, I don't know what the logic there was. It was 15 men from the boat that had come to resupply rather than the people on the island wanting to stay. I, I don't know if they just think, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're Englishmen. We'll definitely be like these inhumane natives and just backfired a bit. I don't know what the selection process was for determining oh, these 15 men. Was it like your strongest and bravest? Was it these are just the ones who are unlucky enough to draw the short straw? I think it was the 15 most annoying. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I read a few things about this and it's interesting because they're like the there was like a certain occasions where like 10 men had gone off to like go fishing and they just didn't come back for a long time. So they just went home without them just because they couldn't be bothered waiting anymore. It's, <laughs> it's not like you can like text them and say, oh, hang on, give me like an extra two hours. I'll be back at the boat. And, like, they just got <laughs> fed up and went home. <laughs> which is But yeah, despite all this uh, killing and, you know, war, battles the english still wanted to set up a colony in the area because they knew uh the american land was quite important so this time they actually decided upon neighboring chesapeake bay on the same stretch of coast as roanoke island but 40 kilometers away this time they actually did decide to bring women and children as well as uh the other native american uh so we kidnapped two and it was uh mantio from the Croatoan tribe, who had supposedly properly integrated into English culture and was to help the English and natives get along. So they went to uh, Roanoke, first of all, um, even though that wasn't their destination, to visit the 15 men they had left, sadly only to find human bones and overgrown fortresses. But for some unbeknown reason, they actually disembarked on Roanoke Island rather than continue to their destination, Chesapeake Bay. And it's actually not really known as to why the hell they did this. And they actually set up permanent settlement on the island that, you know, they've just been attacked and loads of people have died on. Some suggestions are it's due to a falling out with the Portuguese navigator, but also because it was closer to the island of Croatoa, which is where their befriended native Mantia was from, so that they could be better protected. I, I don't know if they just saw like the 15 men had died and they were like, oh shit, we really, really need your help and we want to be located near you. So can't really see any other logic. Well, there. Anyway, in case there's an attack, just wheel out the Native American and hope you could talk <laughs> that one. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, shortly after landing on the island, actually, a colonist was killed by a Native American while searching for crabs. And the English decided to retaliate by attacking a native village. However, the only people they killed in the native village was uh, their friends, the Croatoans, who were looting the village. So they went to the village to kill the natives who had escaped and then just killed the looters that were their mates instead. And obviously that didn't help relations with the uh, natives they were actually friends with. Oh, I wouldn't want to do the person in charge of trying to work out the diplomacy and the fallout from that. 
I just wonder, there's not really much documented about whether this uh, Mantio native who went to England, whether he learned English and he was translating, or, you know, it's all hand gestures. I, I don't know how, how it all works. Yeah, I just wonder how they make first contact with these tribes. Anyway, back in those times, you think yeah. isolated tribe, very hostile. How would you try and talk them down without well, getting yeah. instantly killed in a hail of arrows? It's really, it's really <laughs> weird because you've got like so many witness accounts and you're like, oh yeah, the natives told me this. And you're like, how? Well, like, how did that happen? How are they telling you? But yeah, so the fleet that dropped them off on the island and saw kind of the damage and the fact one colonist was killed almost immediately, returned to England, plans to tell Queen Elizabeth of the situation and to get more supplies and more men needed to help the colony. However, sadly, when they returned to England, the Spanish Armada were mobilizing and any able ship was banned from leaving England so they could help in the uh, ensuing battle. So the ship left the colony in America in 1587. In 1588, they set off to resupply the colony, but sadly all supplies were lost when they were attacked by French pirates. Thus, it was not until 1590 that they actually got back to Roanoke, so a whole three years later, which is plenty of time for a lot to happen. So when they arrived, it was completely deserted, and near the entrance of the fencing to the uh, kind of fortress, the word Croatoan was carved in one of the trees. And the guy, uh, White, was certain that these two inscriptions meant that the colonists had peacefully relocated to Kuratoan Island. Because uh, when he left, he had actually agreed with the colonists that um, should they need to leave, they should leave a secret token on one of the trees. Uh, however, if there was to be any distress when they were leaving, they were to engrave a Maltese cross into a tree. And as there was no cross, he kind of concluded there was no distress, although I'm personally not entirely sure how easy it is to quickly engrave a Maltese cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could like... easily miss it as well. Yeah, I know. They could have done it on a tree you haven't looked at. I, 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 I think that's just so stupid. It's like, yeah, if you get an attack, just quickly quickly have a Maltese crossing to a tree. Like if you look at the cross of Malta, it's not the easiest thing. It, you could have just said like do a P or something like A tree. Which tree? Doesn't matter. Nah, <laughs> sacrifice the artist. Yeah. <laughs> and what's kind of like the ongoing story in this whole lost colony of Roanoke, the ship that they had got to Roanoke on to check on their colonists suffered difficulties. So they did not bother stopping to search Kuratoa to see if they're actually there and ended up back home in England. And this kind of happened over and over again, you know, so many ships that went to go try and find out what happened over the years, just, you know, the bad weather and they just didn't bother going. This is kind that's of why it was never searched properly. So that's probably one of the big things about this conspiracy, this mystery that see the Cro- Isle of Croatoa is relatively close to Roanoke, otherwise the tribes wouldn't be able to communicate. So you think you've gone all this way? You can just go a little bit further, or yeah, a little I... bit back, double back on yourself, just a little bit. Just drop in on the local, see how they are, see if your colony's there. Right, everything's fine. Now we can go back to England. I really don't know why they didn't. I mean, I'm sure the trip from England to North Carolina, where it is today, is probably going to take like a month or more. Just an easy trip down the road. You know, no one did it, and so they, they were never found. But like the moon, it took ages for anyone to bother getting back. <laughs> so this was in 1590. And Raleigh himself funded a mission in 1602, but bad weather scuppered it. He was then arrested in 1603, and the hope of him finding the colony went with him in the same year. Was he arrested for? Treason. I think Raleigh might have ended up in the Tower of London and had his head on a spike in the end. It wasn't happened? Elizabeth's top explorers until Francis Drake came along and yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but he's very famous. Isn't he? I generally, if that's true, I generally didn't know. I think the new king, I think the new King James was not a Tudor monarch. Um, he's a James the Stewart, I think. Yeah, so I think uh, when he came in, I don't know what Raleigh did. 
Apparently Riley wasn't all that. Supposedly he knew the tribe were there, but he couldn't really be bothered to go and help them out. And, you know, he was using them just to like harvest a certain crop. He actually sent them there apparently so that they could look for gold and stuff. And he didn't really care much about the, their whereabouts. But in the same year, he did get arrested. A bloke called Bartholomew Gilbert uh, went to the island to search for the colonists. However, you guessed it, bad weather forced them elsewhere. Not only did bad weather force them elsewhere, but where they ended up landing, they were killed by Native Americans, which I think itself emphasizes the hostility the colonists would themselves have likely faced from the natives in the area. Yeah, maybe it's a case of cutting your losses on the colonists at this point. Yeah. This, um, I, this, it wouldn't have to be located near the Bermuda Triangle of any chance for this bad weather. <laughs> um, well, I, I think for some reason, I don't know the like, logic behind it. I'm sure there's reasonable logic. They never just went straight from like UK to um, America. They went kind of down past like the west coast of Africa and up through the Caribbean. I don't know if that was to stop at different places along the way, different British colonies or what, but they always went through the Caribbean, which is obviously where the Bermuda Triangle is. So yeah, they actually did. And pirates. The French pirates, yeah. (laughs) Imagine how annoying that is. The ocean's huge and you just come across a pirate ship. So rough. (laughs) Not that they had um, radar, GPS, I was talking about we're locking it onto a pirate ship. (laughs) But um, so in 1607, the English finally started another colony, uh, this time uh, the more famous one that's widely credited with being the first colony in America, despite Roanoke Island, and that's uh, Jamestown. And it went on to be a bit more successful. But it is, however, worth noting that 80% of the colonists in Jamestown died of starvation in 1609. Uh, so it's, of course, possible that those at Roanoke met the same fate, although no human remains were found. Have they since searched any of these neighbouring islands? They have. I'll come on to it later. But in Jamestown, the Poetoan tribe captured John Smith. I don't know if any of you know who John Smith is, apart from being the most generic English name. <laughs> I was going to say the, the name rings a bell, but then again, as you mentioned, it's probably one of the most <laughs> it is a um, lot, generic names. I'm sure I've heard it in the context of exploring before, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. He's the guy who brought Pocahontas back to the UK and fell in love right. with her. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Wasn't she about nine? Probably. <laughs> I'm sure she Oh, God, this sounds really exotic, and she died in a Gravesend, Kent, in UK. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, he was captured by the Poetoan tribe, and they actually described him a place in America, which I don't know how they did because I don't know how they communicated, but they described him a place where men wore European style clothing and had walled houses, obviously different to the uh, Native American houses. They drew up a map of the said area, but he never went to explore it. Too busy trying to find nine-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Too busy (laughs) preying on the locals. (laughs) Yeah, the Jamestown residents had assumed that they'd just been massacred, even more so when the Native Americans massacred the Jamestown village itself (laughs) in 1622. And anti-Indian propaganda really grew in England after this, gave rise for more force used by the English when colonising. And then wasn't actually until 1701, which is over 100 years since their disappearance, that the area was properly explored again when a man called John Lawson visited um, an island called Hatteras, which is kind of a landform like right next to the Croatoan. And he noticed that there were tribesmen with pale skin, blonde hair and grey eyes which would suggest integration between the colonists and tribe, and they obviously mated and had kids. It was the Allied tribe, um, so it makes some sense. Although apparently it is worth noting that at the time, albinoism was very prevalent in Native Americans. 
So the thing I found weird about this is surely like, I know a hundred years is a long time, but you'd at least expect stories from some of the, these white kids with blonde hair that, you know, oh yeah, my, my great, great granddad or like some, we come from like Europeans, we come from English, like surely they'd be able to explain that. Surely the story's been passed down a bit. Ancestry DNA to sort them out. <laughs> a bit too late for that now. Although, yeah, you never know. But since then, a lot is obviously being theorized about what could have happened to the colonists. And in 1937, a number of inscribed stones were found, uh, which detailed the colonists travelled and how they died. However, of the 40-odd stones, all were proven to be fake. <laughs> this kind of American thing where, you know, you kind of jump on the bandwagon, you think you can sell it for a lot of money. And the Lost Colonists of Roanoke is it's a huge story in America. It's very popular there. And, you know, if you were to have credit find a stone, you'd become an instant celebrity, uh, which these people did until they were proven to be fake. However, the first one that was found and these kind of disingenuine ones popped up after was believed that it could be genuine, but couldn't be totally proven. And it was actually found on the mainland away from Roanoke Island, which led to confusion as it wasn't at any of the expected destinations of the colonists. Then in uh, 2011, the British Museum examined the original map that they were sent by uh, the first bloke, I forget his name, on the island. And when they did, they noticed two corrected patches. So the map had been changed sewn over when uncovering this they found a fort this kind of could have been corrected because it never got built or actually because they wanted to hide it should the spanish intercept it and this fort that was on the map was where the one genuine stone was found and tudor pottery was also found nearby but sadly it's actually impossible to rule out it was from later settlements uh, in the 1650s as the area kind of became a trading post uh, they can't date it well enough to say it's definitely from the colonists but obviously, as I mentioned, one of the most common theories is they were massacred by the natives. So even though they were allied with the Croatoan tribe, the first two years that they were actually on the island was the worst drought in 800 years in the area, which inevitably meant a poor harvest and lack of food that the natives were providing for the English. Uh, obviously, that would have strained relationships and, you know, potentially result in a massacre to, you know, we feed ourselves, we're not feeding you anymore. But yeah, yeah yet again, human remains are... Uh, are yet to be found, but they could have eaten them. Good, the they? bones are done well. Made soup, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about Native Americans, but cannibalism was certainly rife in uh, many, I don't know if I can call them ancient, but many native <laughs> <laughs> areas like Fiji, for example. Especially if you say there's a drought yeah. and lack of food, you get a lot of liquid out of the year, but and, uh, yeah. and these must have just rocked up and immediately the drought is connect the superstition. Yeah. They're killing us with their fucking disease, and now there's a massive drought. <laughs> But yeah, as, as mentioned before, the idea they moved to Croatoa is indicated on the trees and uh, the fact they may have integrated with the Americans and had kids with them is a possibility. But I, I do find it weird that the story wasn't passed down the ancestor line and also all the essentials were packed up on the island and moved and they were never found by archaeologists in uh, the Croatoa area. Except uh, there was obviously one thing that seemed to have the coat of arms of one of the colonists on Croatoa Island but sadly, again, was never proven to be real, which is annoying because I think it's a brass ring they found and it had the coat of arms of the Kendrell family, which was one of the colonists. I don't know why the natives would ever try and copy that or I don't know. I just feel like that has to be real. Um, and it was archaeologists that found it and not random blokes. So. But yeah, there are also suggestions due to struggle and hostilities. The crew decided to return to England. Given the smaller boat that was left for them on the island, this would have been tough, but not totally impossible. But a shipwreck was uh, likely if they were to really attempt this. 
But if they were to do this, you would have expected them to carve this into the trees to let Lane know upon his return, uh, should their mission home have been a failure, because that was a greedy pun. Wherever they go, they're going to carve it onto the tree. They... There was two. One tree had Croatia. Well, one tree just had CRO. So maybe they're actually going to Croatia and that's how modern day Croatia was formed. Forgot Croatia. It is actually where we one letter off Croatia, so you never know. Finally, one of the main theories, and the last one I'm going to touch on, is that they were attacked by the Spanish. The Spanish were known to scout the area as they knew the English planned on building a settlement. Given Spain didn't recognize England's claim to the area, they would have wanted to eliminate them. Uh, again, there are clear issues with this, as Spain is known to have carried on scouting the colony or the area for years after its disappearance, suggesting that it was not them who wiped it out. And there was no reference in Spanish literature or no maps on the area. So they've done well. But yeah, that's it. The lost colony of Roanoke. What do you guys think? What do you think the most likely explanation there is? Well, I suppose the old adage goes, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But if you're getting wiped out by diseases, hostile tribes, drought, starvation, your mates aren't bothering to wait for you while you go fishing. I think you have got to <laughs> abandon the mission there. But like, we tried, but there's plenty of other places we can colonise. If they were able to predict the future, they'd see, yeah, we've quite, we get quite good at it in the end. So no use uh, wasting our resources now on this tiny little island. But it is, it is really, really interesting and fascinating story of how persistent they seem to be to get uh, this small island with these two Native Americans, one who ended up hating the English and one who I think they managed to integrate and become friends with the Croatoans. That seems suspicious enough because we don't know how the Croatoans and that tribe were abandoned, essentially, how they fared, and nothing in history seems to have a straight answer. One thing I was quite interested, I like how uh, Francis Drake's had to be dropping by on one of his voyages. I'll just, just check in, see how they're doing. Very good oh, they're not there. <laughs> yeah. No one's home. <laughs> not going to look around anymore. I'm not going to scout out the area. Probably didn't even step foot on the drive by. So the equivalent of your Amazon parcel, you're not seeing it, deliver it somewhere else. I'll deliver these supplies somewhere else to one of the other colonies. <laughs> it seems like just it was doomed to fail from the get-go. First sending it just if you want to make a colony, just sending a bunch of men over there. It's... I don't think it was how how a child birth was <laughs> working medicine was about so that's deep. yeah unless they tried planned on just forcefully taking over and mating, mating with the locals which would have not gone down very well with chiefsmen and the tribes yeah. given the apparently already tense situation between warring factions but it just seems like there's so many unanswered questions about it we just will we'll never know the answers such a big part of American history and of English history as well given it's got two of your biggest English explorers Raleigh and Drake as some of the main players so I'm going to give this one an 8.5 out of 10 i quite enjoyed it i think believability is it's a tough one because there's lots of different angles of what people have theorized could have happened to them i think probably the most likely one is that they were just massacred by another tribe but then to find no human remains is quite telling unless they were very good at covering up their tracks these native americans they're supposed to be good hunters good trackers just very secretive just didn't want to leave any trace of the colonists yeah i'm not sure they would have been that worried about doing that to be honest but yeah i mean or maybe they saw the colonists such an affront to their sacred lands they wanted to eradicate any trace of them that included bones and But I just still still think that this is the first time they came back and realised they'd been attacked by 3,000 versus 180. Yeah, right, just don't, we try, let's go home. This is not going to work out. And then the baffling decision to leave 15 men there against probably another attack if the Native Americans realise they're still on our land. There's some serious questions to be asked of the, the decision-making and some of the leadership of those 
ship captains. Not to mention all the mysteries of just multiple supply ships going missing in similar circumstances, never to either reach the island and never to reach Britain after potentially getting to the island because of bad weather. I wonder if that was just relatively common and it's just not really spoken about much in history because it's just a failure. Like you hear the success and not the failure, but like how many how many ships that tried to like cross the Atlantic just failed on the way. I suppose, but you, th- you do think they would have had logs and records of ships yeah. leaving ports even back in those times. You think, right, we're expecting this one in a few months after it has departed. It's been years now, nothing. Okay, right, we'll chalk that one down as perished at sea. Well, you say that, but didn't one sit in the uh, the Bay of Beirut for about five years with those of ammonia on the end of blowing up? That's true, yeah, that was. The ship actually did get there, which is falling apart, I think. And there's a bit of a revolt over unpaid wages. It's a bit easier to track that one, but say, mm. go to rem- um, a relatively unknown small island with very aggressive and hostile tribes. I'll try and. don't know how to score this on believability. Have you got any. I was thinking, score the theory. Because you mentioned a few theories, maybe score the one you think is the most likely. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, right, yeah. I suppose I'm erring just towards, because given how hostile things seem to be, the Native Americans would not have been happy since we English colonists have brought over disease, potentially droughts, if you believe the more spiritual side of things. I think they just had enough and say, right, you're on our land, you're not doing very well for trade relations now, because what if you want you nix one of our guys, try to integrate him into society, he didn't like it, and he's told us, right, we get, we're, we're going to have you. There's nothing you can do about it. So I think they were, they were massacred. But as for the birds, maybe they just got washed away or something like that. It was a big battle on a beach. It's on seven out of ten that they got massacred. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. What about you, John? Yes, I really like this theory as well. I think it's going to be a theme in this episode as a whole, but I think it's quite different to a lot of the other episodes we've done. Perhaps a bit less proper conspiracy theory, territory based, and a bit more just historical theories and things more like mysteries rather than conspiracies. I think really enjoyed this one a lot to unpack. So I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go eight and a half as well. In terms of believability and the one I think is most likely, I'm going towards my combination of two because I think the kind of massacre theory and that they were probably killed and I think maybe, even though this this part of the theory is my own, but I think maybe there was a bit of cannibalism or something involved. I think there certainly would have been another conflict between the two. But then I also think maybe there were prisoners or some sort of peace treaty and, and they ended up becoming kind of amalgamated and integrated into the tribe themselves because I think the appearance of white tribesmen, as much as you mentioned the albinos, I think that's too much of a coincidence for me. I, I think that probably was some sort of interbreeding between the two. In terms of that believability, I might go So, you, So you think that the Native Americans had a proper judicial system in terms of reintegration of prisoners back into society? Damn right. <laughs> no, right. they could be doing you have your, right Now you have your state-mandated Native American wife. You've got yeah. your <laughs> you can now go to Croatoa and the neighbouring islands. You can't leave Roanoke, but you're not allowed <laughs> to venture past these seas. And you must also not hail any passing British ships and let them know where you are. <laughs> maybe some of the British people just thought it's going to be an easier life if I can just try and get on with them rather than constantly being at yeah. war especially because my mates <laughs> it's that fed up of their wives like, right, I'd rather have a Native American one can't understand what she's saying <laughs> yeah, yeah I've really enjoyed researching this one it's, it's something that I hadn't really heard much about until the last few years which is surprising because I, I think it's a huge part of history it's you know the first colony that the UK tried to set up in uh, America and it failed completely I do like wonder what the hell was going through these people's mind it's like oh you want to go live in this island that you have no idea about you know there's people there who 
probably are going to be very hostile to you. I think it's a very brave thing to do and personally probably wouldn't do it myself. But then again, there's also hundreds and hundreds of people applying to go and live on Mars. So people clearly a bit crazy. <laughs> Imagine a Mars ship is just going to be filled with weirdos though. You're gonna, you can think, oh, it's a great idea to Mars and realise your cabin, your cockpit is just filled with people you don't like and instantly start regretting your decision. Oh, I know. So I feel bad because there's going to be at least one or two normal people who just think, oh, I'm going to do it. Let's try and do something for humanity. And then they're just on it with like, I mean, degenerates. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to score an 8.5 out of 10 as well. In terms of believability, it, it's hard. A lot of different American tribes have kind of different fairy tale stories about what happened to these, you know, there was the Poetoans that, you know, said there's European people and walled houses in this certain part of America. And then there's also other tribes that spoke of like how they were massacred. So it's interesting that it's been passed down like that along with the Native American tribes and kind of some Chinese whispers kind of way. I do think the most likely is probably a massacre of some kind. But at the same time, I like to be good spirited and think it's possible they could have integrated in with the Native Americans. You know, it's a bit Pocahontas like, but that there are obviously many instances of when the natives helped out the English. I think for the first ever Thanksgiving in America, the natives would help the English survive the winter. So they uh, said thanks to the natives and I think that's how it started. Some, some rubbish like that. Um, right, thanks, native. <laughs> killed him. It was nice while it lasted. Disease as a reward. But yeah, I, I think in terms of massacre, I'm, I'm edging quite strongly towards it. I'm going to go for a 7.5 out of 10. Still ongoing, lots of archaeological stuff on this, but what, what they'll find, I don't know if it'll help out if they find, say, oh yeah, one of the colonists was definitely on Croatia Island. I, I still don't know if that changes that they might have been massacred or if we can have some kind of DNA record that traces a lot of the tribe back to England, then maybe that'll be interesting. But I, I just don't know how that works. But that was a Roanoke Island for you. So Callum, you got something for us? So I'm sure we all love our ancient civilizations here on the Cocos Fruits podcast. And what ancient civilizations podcast would not be complete without dipping our toes into the lost city of Atlantis? <laughs> I think if we just find the city of Atlantis, after dipping more of our toes into the ocean. <laughs> Don't get in your own <laughs> Quick with a scuba suit, some oxygen tanks, maybe a submarine for good measure. But so in keeping with the theme of this podcast, I'll definitely be borrowing more from the mystery side rather than just pure conspiracy. But I suppose you never know if the CIA or NASA ever declassifies more documents. A secret underwater military base may not be beyond the realms of possibility. And Project Atlantis certainly has a nice ring to it. While the myth of Atlantis is fairly common knowledge, listeners may be less familiar with its origins and how it came to fuel numerous theories about possible locations and whether there's real evidence that this civilization actually existed or still does to this day. So following Luke's example a bit, I'll present a range of theories surrounding Atlantis' possible existence and leave it up to you to decide which one you want to score for believability, be it the most plausible or the most interesting. Before we get there, it's time to get a bit philosophic with some ancient Greek history. The legend of Atlantis arose from the teachings of Greek philosopher Plato, founder of the Platonism school of thought, and a renowned egotist. <laughs> Platonists studied under Aristotle and then went on to teach Socrates, not the Brazilian footballer, and many others, <laughs> leaving a legacy that played a pivotal role in the shaping of Greek philosophy, as well as Western religion and spirituality. The city of Atlantis was one of Plato's famous allegories, tales that contain a hidden moral or political meaning. The founders of Atlantis were half gods, half human, who cultivated a utopian society and powerful naval empire. Their home was made up of lush, concentric lands, separated by wide moats and links by a canal that penetrated the centre, a sort of circular formation, a stereotypical crop circle. I think that's how it's been. Our artist impressions of how Atlantis was described by Plato depict it. 
The lands were fertile and played host to exotic wildlife and many natural resources and precious metals. So it's not too dissimilar to the Amazons we've heard from John earlier in the podcast. Not too dissimilar to an Amazon where? <laughs> Definitely some exotic wildlife to be found there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the citizens, though, the Atlanteans, took their power for granted and they became greedy, petty and morally bankrupt, according to Plato's allegory, angering the gods through their desire for immoral pursuits. Now, what these immoral pursuits were, I don't quite recall, but I'm sure an active imagination could conjure up a thing or two. One night, the gods were fed up and decided to punish Atlantis, raining down a terrible night of fire and earthquakes that caused Atlantis to sink into the sea and never to be found again. So Plato said that Atlantis existed 9,000 years before his time, his time being around 360 BC, claiming it had been passed down through the generations the story had been passed down. However, Plato's writings are the only historical record of his existence. Regardless, some historians are committed to investigating so-called geomyths, to the science of uncovering the real geological event underpinning a myth or legends. In 1882, historian Ignatius Donnelly published a book entitled Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, in which he argued that many accomplishments of the ancient world, such as agriculture and language, must have been imparted by an earlier advanced civilization. So like we've discussed with John's Amazon theory, there's some civilizations out there that are far more advanced than what we could ever comprehend for the time. And also you think back to Egypt with the pyramids and how some might suggest that the Egyptians had help from otherworldly sources, we'll say. Also, what helped with these geomyths? the geomyth scientist, was that Plato has provided a description of the location of Atlantis, or where it was originally situated before sinking into the sea. So Donnelly and others theorised the continent flooded by shifting oceans did exist. Plato's teachings place Atlantis in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, between the Pillars of Hercules, two rocks that mark the entrance to the Straits of Gibraltar. According to some historians and geographers, the fate of Atlantis, as told by Plato, may actually have been plausible, given that devastating volcanic eruptions and floods have long since been described throughout history. A notable occurrence concerns the fate of the island of Santorini in the Aegean Sea, circa 2500 to 1600 BC. The inhabitants of this island were the Minoans, who, led by the legendary King Minos, have since been described as Europe's first great civilization. The Minoans were thought to have been the first European civilization to use a written language and built huge palaces and paved roads. So why, at the height of their powers, did they suddenly vanish from history? This mystery has inspired the parallels drawn between this civilization and the tale of Atlantis. According to historians, evidence suggests that around 1600 BC, a massive earthquake shook the volcanic island of Thera, which was what modern-day Santorini was called back in the day, which triggered an eruption that spewed 10 million tonnes of rock, ash and gas into the atmosphere. The tsunamis that followed the eruption were large enough to wipe out Minoan cities throughout the region, a devastation that may have made the Minoans vulnerable to invaders from the Greek mainland, thus wiping out their civilization. So this is like legit, This historians actually think this happened? There's evidence in historical documents, records, I'm not sure exactly what they are, but a massive earthquake has been recorded around this time. Massive earthquake that caused loads of tsunamis. Yeah, and if, event. If, yeah, if there's ever going to be a year that's going to repeat that, it's going to be 2021, so watch out. <laughs> We're 10 days in now, we've already had several events, we'll call them. Not of the natural disaster kind, but equally disruptive and definitely going to go down in history, that's for sure. But back to back to Atlantis. And along similar lines to the fate of the Minoans, it's also been suggested that while Atlantis itself may have been fictional, the story of its demise may have been inspired by another cataclysmic natural disaster from history. 
This time, the event in question is the breaching of the Bosporus, or the Strait of Istanbul, by the Mediterranean Sea, which caused the Black Sea to flood. Contrary to what its name suggests, the Black Sea was actually a freshwater lake at the time, and its flooding devastated local civilizations living along its banks. Over a year, several hundred feet of seawater have thought to have flooded through the cities, scattering the inhabitants who forced to find safe passage to somewhere else, and their travels brought with them the story of their fate, which eventually reached the ears of Plato, and he thought, great, I'll write an allegory about that. <laughs> so let's take a slightly bit of a left field turn to this one. Another angle that's been suggested about the Atlantean's fate concerns the Bermuda Triangle, because you can't have a water-based mystery without including the infamous Devil's Triangle. A bit far from Australia, but you know, it's a dodgy triangle that <laughs> could expand. Yeah, exactly. And it technically, to say technically speaking, it is located in the Northwest Atlantic. So Atlantis, Atlantic, mm. that's where it's got its name from, I believe. Maybe not, I say not beyond the realms of possibility. Geographically speaking, it could be plausible. Well, that's at least according to the writer Charles Burlitz. In the 1970s, so not actually that long ago, relative to some of the things we've been discussing on this podcast, Berlitz claimed Atlantis was a real continent located off the Bahamas that had fallen victim to the notorious Bermuda Triangle. So we've touched on the Bermuda Triangle in our, I think it was our aviation conspiracies. Yeah. yeah, so and it's also it's a region of the Atlantic where a number of ships and aircraft have supposedly disappeared under mysterious circumstances. It's theories that involve experience constant raging storms, making it very difficult to navigate, magnetic fields messing with compasses. But there have been a seemingly disproportionate number of ships that have crossed the Bermuda Triangle not to have returned or made it to their destinations, giving it a very infamous streak amongst sailors and pilots. So supporters of this theory point to the discovery of what looked like man-made walls and streets found off the coast of the Bahaman region of Bimid. In the years since, though, scientists have blitzed these speculations, deeming them to be natural beach rock formations. And also it's quite maybe difficult to say that somewhere that was supposedly in the Aegean Sea was also in the northwest Atlantic off the Bahamas, because you know, our current understanding of plate tectonics so that, well, islands and our land masses are moving very slowly, they're not crossing hundreds of kilometres. But again, back in the day, this knowledge of plate tectonics was not as advanced, so this caused American author Charles Hapgood to devise a theory that Atlantis was actually what we call modern-day Antarctica. Mm. His 1958 book, Earth's Shifting Crust, which featured a foreword by none other than Albert Einstein, theorised that 12,000 years ago, tectonic movement dramatically shifted the continent that became Antarctica from its location in the Strait of Gibraltar. This huge change in climate caused the once powerful ancient civilization to perish as they were not equipped to deal with the frozen temperature and icy winds found at the South Pole. Can you imagine? Yo, land. <laughs> you just suddenly start moving. It's a massive shit. It's getting colder and colder. <laughs> I suppose, technically speaking, we are moving through space. We're revolving around the sun and we're spinning, spinning on its axis we, and we don't notice that. But you would think if you suddenly you start to see the ground beneath you moving and things in the horizon moving, think, what, what is going on here? <laughs> a few days later, you start getting a lot cold and you realise, okay, something's happening here. Next thing you know, you're coming out and everywhere's buried in ice. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of screws that theory a bit, doesn't it? Just a little bit, but I suppose yeah. as, as a counterpoint to that, well, the theory goes that Atlantis was then buried under layers of ice, never to be found again, 
And as ridiculous as it may sound, I don't think anyone has funded a project to dig up the ice in Antarctica, so who knows what may lie beneath. They always say that, don't they? Like, there, there could be stuff underneath the ice, both poles, and it just hasn't been, like, not even, like, 1% explored, right? I just think the ramifications of trying to even suggest a, right, we're going to go and drill the shit out of the ice in, in Antarctica <laughs> would not go down very well with climate activists. Well, yeah, alternatively, we could just pollute a load and wait for it to melt and have, it, have <laughs> yeah. a look. This is the first ancient spy of the Amazon Cathedral, or not Amazon, the Atlantis Cathedral start to reveal themselves as the ice slowly melts away, so you never know. Uh, finally, just to round things off with this one, there's also, of course, the theory that Plato completely made up the fate of Atlantis to serve as a vehicle for his musings on philosophy, in a tale outlining the dangers of human hubris. That's certainly where the scientific argument seems to point, as oceanography and ocean floor mapping has yet to upturn any evidence of a city sunk into the depths of the Atlantic Ocean by the wrath of the gods. But that's the boring answer, and here on the Cocos Brutus podcast, we don't do boring. So over to you guys, what do you think happened to the lost city of Atlantis? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I don't suppose you'd know if, like anything else. I, I really am not familiar with Plato's work. Did anything he write actually turn out to be like the truth? I don't know if it's all like philosopher. His teachings did shape a lot of what yeah. Western religion and spirituality. So I'm not sure whether he was stating definitive facts, but he was a known scholar. The Greeks at that yeah. time were very advanced compared to other civilizations. Yeah. Mathematicians. Yeah. I, would, I would say he wasn't stupid. Yeah, yeah. One thing that does like always <laughs> blow my mind is just the fact that, you know, the, the gap in the Atlantic Ocean between what, like, Ireland and US. So it's, it's massive and it's just weird that there's nothing there. You know, we're supposed to believe that all the continents were connected at one point and I'm just surprised that, that there was nothing that drifted off into yeah. the middle bit because, I mean, you know, there's like, in the Pacific, there's there's quite a lot of islands here and there and there's, there's just nothing in the Atlantic. So maybe there could have been something and, you know, it's it sunk because there was obviously, um, I don't know, you guys are familiar with like Dogger Bank at all? Um, no. It's like a piece of land that used to exist between like Britain and mainland Europe. So I think it's kind of in the in the North Sea, like near near the Netherlands and it, it was quite a large landmass and I think that ended up completely sinking after like the last that, ice age or whatever. But so it's that due to rising sea levels and Yeah, yeah. Or... So it's definitely plausible that, you know, entire landmasses could sink because I mean that's definitely happened and what's to say that, yeah. you know, it can just be like an isolated island in the middle of the Atlantic that's just a bit low and it's also, yeah, it's also what's all these climate change activists have been harping on about for years that if we don't reduce our carbon emissions, yeah. the UK will be underwater in five years time not many people know but it's the carbon emissions from the amazonians that cause atlantis to <laughs> yeah yeah it's certainly an interesting thought and i mean atlantis that's that's as famous as anything really if it is supposedly just a greek myth but you know there's still people out there looking for it today i know there's a tv show that has literally gone into huge huge depths and spent a lot of money trying to search for this land so it's, it's a really big conspiracy i think it's one of the biggest there is actually i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a 9.5 oh, out the network has been fleeced out of loads of money to try and fund project to find the lost city of Atlantis. But you do, you do know that it's going to get reviews. So, uh, yeah, you know, I just like some of the stuff that's on American TV channels. It's like, oh my god, there's something one foot off the sea floor. Is this Atlantis? And then they just play that over and over again for about <laughs> ten minutes and building yeah. up until for nothing. And then it goes to an ad break and repeats the same thing for the next five minutes okay. when it's back. But you can say we've had these oceanography mapping techniques and stuff. Have we really? seen everything there is to see on the bottom of the sea oh definitely not no no we've seen what is yeah what we keep finding new species every day what's happened we went to stumble across a city thriving like the gungan city in naboo yeah <laughs> i'd love I to know, be a joke how long it takes them to find a crashed 
airplane in the English Channel and that's a drop of water compared to the Atlantic and you know that must take forever to explore and it's just not really financially viable for anyone mm. to properly explore it because you know, I mean there's no profit to be made there really but yeah I, I think in terms of believability I, I honestly didn't know the origins were from Greek mythology to be honest I think for me that probably brings down the believability score I had for it beforehand mm-hmm. just because it's kind of like you know a bit of a politically motivated message to tell you not to act immorally but you know these things could definitely get passed down there might be a bit of chinese whispers um you know this island sank turns out you know it's actually just like a tiny piece of land just i can't see it myself i wouldn't put it past there being some kind of civilization that's been been lost due to rising sea levels because i'm sure that's been a thing in the past so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of 10 that's understandable what about you john I think as an overall conspiracy, as Luke kind of touched on it, certainly one of the biggest ever. I actually went the other way, though. I just thought it was like a complete myth, like something no one really believed was true and that there was no evidence to suggest it. So when I found out people like Plato, okay, yeah, he lived a long time ago. He might have had some questionable views, but he's so famous and and pretty highly thought of. So for him to have such kind of unwavering belief in it, that makes me think, okay, maybe there is a bit more to it than I initially thought. And I think the theory of like a thriving continent, really wealthy, just completely vanishing is huge. So I think overall, I'll give it a eight and a half out of 10. Believability wise, I mean, you you said obviously there was a huge community and and they're all very wealthy and they they suddenly cease to exist. Never know, it could have been smallpox just like the Amazonian. So there could be numerous explanations for that. I think in terms of rating believability, the one, the one I like the most is that it just got up and left <laughs> and went to Antarctica instead. So I'm going to rate that one. Yeah, just on that one, because <laughs> we say that, oh, it's, we understand plate tectonics, no continents could ever move, but they're all connected as Pangea and drifted off. So what's stopped them just one, you know, just moving again, just off its own? I mean, aren't, we, yeah. aren't we actually like, scientifically expecting that the poles will shift at one point like literally the south and north pole will swap around or have i seen like is that a conspiracy i know it's a theory it is a theory i don't know whether it's absolutely set in stone it's going to happen but it meant to the meant but, but it's happened yeah, we're before. expecting the continents to come apart again in the future yeah so I think yeah the earth is tilted a little bit of an axis so it's a bit of a curve a bit of a downward incline so things will be slipping off a bit yeah <laughs> I think it kind of that theory doesn't work either way because if it, if it moved really gradually like the plates normally would, like a few inches a year, then the change in climate stuff wouldn't have any real impact on the society. So they'd still be thriving now with the woolly hats on. <laughs> yeah, maybe you do your best all this time to get used to it. <laughs> like, so, and then the the flip side of it is if it moved really quickly, I just find it hard to believe they could say you're covers freezing cold <laughs> what do you think it took europeans like 400 years after leaf ericsson discovered america to finally get back there it's because the continent was just slowly shifting up up through the sea <laughs> couldn't catch up with it <laughs> go faster than boats. <laughs> they're all just frozen in shock or i just witnessed for a few hundred years so yeah i think believability because i've chose that one i think it's probably not going to be the highest but i do like it so i'll give it an extra point for that so believability i'm going to go for a two out of ten. yeah i mean you did pick the most ridiculous one so <laughs> it's understandably a low believability for me just to round it off quickly i'll say until i started researching this one i didn't know it was originally from a greek allegory philosophical teachings i just thought some science fiction guys had made it because my first encounter was it was was a disney animated film like the lost city of atlantis which was when i was about maybe five or six 
And I think there's actually a whole history behind it and people have been searching for it for so long. It was quite impressive. And also to think that there's some scientists out there trying to debunk myths or find the actual natural disasters that inspired these myths and legends. Uh, sounds like a pretty cool job, if you ask me. I mean, yeah, as we've both said, and you both said in your theories, it's the lost city of Atlantis. It's a really interesting mystery, just how, if you were to believe it, exactly how Plato teaches it. The gods got angry because people became a bit too cocky, decided to rain down hellfire on them and also rain and submerge them underwater just because, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a combination. The gods were the ones moving it out to Antarctica. They thought they'd freeze them to death. But I think overall, I'll go for, I'm going to go for an 8.5. Give it 8.5 out of 10 for every theory on this podcast. That might be a <laughs> co-conspirators first. But yeah, as for the believability, I think I'll take the opposite path to John this time. I'm going to focus on what I think is the most plausible one. It is the idea that he based it upon the knowledge of the, the fate of the Minoans. So that I thought it was quite an inspirational tale for a bit of learning to teach these people how to live better lives. And the fact that there has been historical recordings of this massive earthquake and volcanic eruption that's wiped seemingly flourishing and powerful society completely off the face of the earth would be a good starting point to say don't get too cocky um, yes you'd be powerful but stay humble to put it into more uh, 2021 lingo <laughs> it's actually quite plausible i think because plato was well read well learned he would have been had an interest in history if he's going to be trying to tell these allegories so i'm going to go for a solid seven out of ten in believability which is not what you'd expect for a theory on the lost city of atlantis right so we've heard about three lost civilizations let's go for three crazy conspiracy theories in our fan favorite game conspiracy yeah thanks for that callum <laughs> That nicely rounds up our lost civilizations. And I was a bit lost uh, trying to find three lost civilizations to choose for conspiracy. But anywho, we have it. For those of you who are new to conspiracy, essentially what we have here is I've got three conspiracies for my co-hosts. Two of them I found on the internet and one of them I completely made up. And it's their job to guess which one I completely made up. So without further ado, let's jump into it. So my first conspiracy is that there are pyramids on Mars from an ancient lost civilization that are likely to also have built pyramids in Egypt. My second one is um, when they were building the modern city of Chinese Taipei, they destroyed a ceremonial Chinese dragon, which unleashed uh, the souls of a lost civilization. And that is why there is a uh, higher rate of fatal car accidents and suicides in Taiwan. And my final conspiracy for you, there was a race of giants <laughs> in Scotland scared the Romans off. Okay, right. You know, we like to hear a little bit more about each one to try and give us something to work with, but they're promising beginnings. Yep. So um, in terms of the pyramids, there's actually a CIA declassified document that um, talks about pyramids on Mars. And, you know, it's a very natural link if there's pyramids on Mars for people to suggest some kind of lost civilization. We probably will touch on this at some point in a future episode, but, you know, the pyramids in Egypt are absolutely insane and you know mind boggles almost everyone that they were built by humans and i think it's a reasonable link to say that it was actually these uh this ancient lost civilization that could travel to mars and earth um because also these pyramids didn't just pop up in egypt they popped up in places like sudan and it was those guys building it and in terms of taiwan the modern city of chinese taipei that was built after you know the whole cultural revolution when uh the uh chinese kind of non-communists escaped to Taiwan and the communists stayed in China um, and they wanted to build like a nice modern city to show that they were like better than China and when doing this they were building a UFO style housing unit but they knocked over a ceremonial Chinese dragon and this as I mentioned awakened uh, the souls of a lost civilization that lived on the island 
and Taiwan has a high number of severe fatal car accidents and suicides and it's believed this is down to the lost civilization, the souls haunting people. And then in terms of the Romans, uh, the Romans always wanted to be powerful. They always destroyed evidence of any ancient civilizations as they wanted the people in the places they were to only really know of their power. And this includes a race of giants in Great Britain that actually built Stonehenge and uh, were rumoured to still live in Scotland, which is why apparently the Romans only ever ventured north of the border once before retreating and obviously building a uh, wall. I just want to start with the Scotland one. You say they built Stonehenge. Yeah. They were from Scotland. That's one hell of a journey. I think the yeah, idea is that the, whole, the race was like all over Britain, but they yeah. ended up in Scotland. The, like, the, the final one. They were dying out by the time that the right. Romans... Were they dying? Like maybe they could have had like longer strides. They wouldn't have taken that long to track it all yeah, the well, way. Yeah, when I say, <laughs> when I say dry, and they literally just used to hop over to France. They were that big. So, you know, oh, Stonehenge was like dominoes. <laughs> what, what is interesting about that one is you read some of the accounts of how the Romans described us Brits, probably like the Celts. We sounded like absolute savages to them. Well, they were we civilised, just... <laughs> weren't they? We, yeah, we, we used to bathe in mud. Um, our women were more fierce than the men, covered in blue paints, and were twice the size of a Roman, some of the accounts said some sort of ridiculous things like that. We had no regard for our appearances or our health or our dignity. We'd just be like battle-crazed madmen and women. <laughs> but and on, on the subject of Hadrian's Wall and the Romans never wanting to venture north of that, they built the wall to keep the Scots out. So I think there's some truth in that one. Have you ever been to Hadrian's Wall? I haven't, no. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't get their toes over it. I think the idea was that they had some centuries patrolling there just to poke away with spears and they got too yeah. close. The thing with Hadrian's Wall is it wouldn't stop a normal-sized human. Right? So I, I, I don't understand it. All. Unless the, there's actually a conspiracy that Scotland was a race of the dwarves, I don't know. Well, you walk around Glasgow, <laughs> you think the average height there is not as tall as it is in the England, but then that's not an urban myth or not. But So for the other ones, pyramids, yes, they are absolutely fascinating. And the fact that they would build crazy structures but also have really complex burial chambers below just adds even more mystery to them. So I think there's a peep show quote so when they're discussing the pyramids. They like, who built the pyramids? Slaves. Lots and lots of slaves. And then, of course, the link between pyramids and aliens has been drawn a lot. And it's, I think it's perfectly logical because how you could do it back in these ancient times. Firstly, envisioned giant triangular structures then to have moved all the stone into the area, carved it and set it up in these hundreds of feet high towers is just ridiculous. Don't know what sort of engineers they had over there, but they were way ahead of their time. Clearly also, if they could have get to Mars and drop some pyramids there. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and the, the Taiwanese one, I think, I remember you have done a Chinese-related conspiracy way back. They make up 25% of the world, kind of. we got got to get them in more often. Despite just being banned over there. <laughs> Big target audience if uh, we can ever break past the firewall. Yeah, I, th I think it was I think it was one that was sort of more spiritual base will do with someone trying to step on the moon or something like that, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that one was, it was oh, true yeah, as well. So I'm thinking that this one could also be true because it's sort of spiritual-based and there's quite a lot of spirituality there with lost souls and knocking over vases containing the spirits of ancestors who have wrath to spread amongst the population. It sounds like something you say out of a film, I think, like the, the mummy or something like that. Which then it's to age it. So I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to pick which one I want to say is a conspiracy. I remember, John, you mentioned in the chat that you're on a bit of a purple patch. Do you fancy going first? Yeah, fine. Although I think that purple patch <laughs> is about to turn brown because I'm really struggling here. 
I've gone through phases of thinking all of them are the light. I've definitely heard about pyramids on like, <laughs> the, moves, the moon and on Mars. Definitely I'm definitely aware that, that that is a theory, but the whole alien part of it, I suppose, is who else is going to build it. So I'm tempted, as much as that one you could quite easily make up for conspiracy, I'm tempted to say that would be true. <laughs> not true, but <laughs> and then yeah, I think there was a lot of detail to the middle one. I, I have seen a few YouTube videos that kind of them are recommended about architects and people finding remains of giants and stuff. So there's there's definitely theories out there around them and that maybe old races of humans were giant. But I think I'll go for that as the lie. Okay, well, do I be boring and go for the same one as John? That's the thing. I, I was that was my thinking as well. The other two had quite a lot of detail. Was the first one, the alien one, is certainly that is prime conspiracy theory stuff for conspiracy aliens, pyramids. They got two pretty good indicators that someone out there thinks it. I think if you do agree with me, go for it because then we could have the first clean sweep conspiracy for a very long time, and Luke could get. All right, that's, that's a good shout. Then I think you've convinced me. Elizabeth of collusion. Whether it works out or not we <laughs> shall find out now so i will say that the third one is the conspiracy as well right well you were both pretty quick to dismiss the pyramids on mars and you were right to do that that is obviously a conspiracy that's always going to be linked back to egypt when you know there's talk of pyramids on mars uh, that one is on the internet i will say in terms of um taiwanese housing units and this ceremonial dragon the extra information all came from my own brain so maybe i've played myself a bit there i didn't pull them from anything else i uh, just <laughs> use a bit of my history knowledge but I've, i must have played myself because uh first ever time that the conspiracy is completely lost well done guys oh good call there john oh. that purple patch does continue <laughs> i think that's an even more purple now you've got to get it two does. two of us on the same page should have had you negotiating with the uh croatoans i know yeah well, it's not this, too late i'll go over and see what they got to say yeah yeah, well, there you go. It's the first ever on the Co-Conspirators podcast for the first episode of 2021. A loss, a double loss for conspiracy. But yeah, I thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep challenging the status quo.